This episode of Horror Movie Talk brought to you by Voorhees Breathmans. Just take two, and you'll notice a difference. Hi, Robert England here, a.k.a. Freddy fucking Krueger. <laughs> and you're listening to Horror Movie Talk. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk. An opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Go, 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 go. Also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. Wow, that didn't sound good. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk. Alert, alert. (laughs) Did you notice anything different about the intro? Whatever could you be talking about, Bryce? Oh, you know, just Freddy fucking Krueger. We're not we're not worthy we're We're stuck we suck (laughs) oh man this this day is going to be a good day this is going to be a great recording uh i would like to introduce uh your host dr bryce hansen who holds a phd in spookology and professor david day that's me the foremost expert in scare no-nos since we've been on the COVID, uh, you know, train, uh, we don't really review new horror movies. We're put, so we're hitting a lot of the classics here. Last week we got we brought you our long-awaited release of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> and this week we are bringing you that's right, the original, the one that almost started it all, Friday the Thirteenth from nineteen eighty. Before we get into the review, I'd like to do a a few plugs for us. Check us out at HorrorMovieTalk.com. That's our website, and from there you can find links to all our social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, the Tube, all of those, uh, Reddit. Check out our subreddit um, if you'd like some meaty discussion I guess with us. Sure. Um, so uh, <laughs> we do post new episodes every single Wednesday. So make sure you subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts because that helps us out just a whole heaping bunch. We're we're making progress. We got yeah. a few extra ones today. I really appreciate everybody who does that. What we really need is about ninety ratings before September. That'd be great. Is yeah what we need. So. Not quite doubling what we have right now, but we'll, we'll we make a little progress. I mean, Robert England's name's got to get us some something, right. right? So, so there, there you go. Um, so another another plug that I'd like to add to the starter role is um, we are going to be doing some promo work for a new Adult Swim show called JJ Villard's Fairy Tales, which premieres on May tenth at midnight. So you guys make sure and check that out on Adult Swim. I believe now quote me on this because I haven't gotten an official answer yet, but I believe you can also catch it on the Adult Swim app, which is free and has a ton of high quality adult swim content. I watch it. I watched Metalocalypse the other night um because I'm a huge metalhead. 
We've got a great show for you guys today. We'll start out by talking about Friday the 13th. We'll give a brief review and our score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a miserable dredge where it makes you angry that you had to sit through it, 5 being an average enough film that hits all the expected marks, and 10 being so good that it transcends genre boundaries. After we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. And as I said before... Later, we will we actually we have an interview with J.J. Villard, who is the creator of J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales, which premieres May 10th on Adult Swim. Man, that show is it's pretty fucked up. It's pretty fucked up. It's like a it's um, you know what it's like is uh, Adventure Time on a killing on a killing spree. <laughs> It's exactly that. I've been I was watching Adventure Time with my daughter this morning and I was like, oh, that J.J. Villard's fairy tales is like ultra like shit down, like cut off your head and shit down your neck. Adventure Time. <laughs> it's just got a ton of horror movie references. Yeah, it's really twisted. Yeah, like it's in the interview. He talks about how the standards and practice people gave him. <laughs> Like no limitation limitations. He's like, what was it? It was no fart jokes or something. No fart jokes. No like bodily function or it was like very very tame stuff. Yeah. So how he got around it is so much more disturbing. (laughs) So he's like eating blackheads. Yeah, (laughs) and giant blackheads shooting into your mouth with force and then chewing them down. No farts though. None of that. No farts. Um, and then after the interview with J.J. Villard, we also will have a bit, it came from social media, where we talk about what you guys did to us over social media over the last week. So, as I mentioned, we watched the original Friday the 13th on Shudder, and while it definitely represents the film version of Pulp, it's the original upon which so many slashers have been based. It delivers in a charming way, and the twists are still impressive, or I should say the twist is still impressive after all these years. Uh, its 40th birthday will actually be this Saturday, so so, yeah, a couple days away from the release of this episode. It's May 9th of 2020 will be its 40th birthday. Wow. Wow. So let's t- let's take a look or a listen to the trailer. Hello? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? One. Just messing up. Four. Five. Six. Must be my imagination. 
seven. Can I help you? be great if the, you could redo that in the uh, Sesame Street count voice. Oh, yeah. One. <laughs> One. Ah, ah, ah. One. Man, too long being a dad. Um, so, you know, I realized that we didn't we didn't give any context to, to Robert England introing us. Well, you kind of mentioned it. So we got reached out to from the, what would you call it? The representation of this new show called J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales. Yeah. And so they're just reaching out and to see if we wanted to interview the creator and maybe some of the talent. The talent includes some people you might have heard of. A few little names here and there. Voice talent includes Linda Blair. Yeah. Robert England. Warwick Davis, you know, just just a few Corey Feldman, Corey Feldman, you know, not Jennifer Tilly. Oh, man. Like big titty Tilly. And the guy that did the voice for Skeletor. I can't remember his name. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, we accepted and uh, you'll hear the interview with J.J. Villard here. But then next we really lucked out and were able to interview Robert as well and you'll hear that next week uh the full interview with robert england where he uh graciously gives us that drop and then uh we'll also be reviewing uh nightmare on elm street yeah seems hitting all apropos yeah hitting hitting the big three or at least two of the big three actually the big definitely so yeah if we get three of the big five (laughs) if like if we're able to get linda blair i mean maybe well Maybe it's not out outside of the realm of possibility. Fucking forget and about it. And then we'll uh, release the uh, Exorcist episode yeah. that we oh. just barely recorded. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so so make sure to tune in next week as well, because we do have an interview with Robert fucking England. Yeah! Oh, my God! Freddy Krueger. Freddy goddamn Krueger talks in explicit detail about his... Vacation home in New Mexico. Yes. And um, thorough detail. If you want to hear what Freddy Krueger thinks of the state of New Mexico. Or fly fishing in general. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. (laughs) Um, 
so uh, Friday the 13th is the story. And I, it's not the irony is not lost on me that we're talking about Freddy in, you know, adjacent. This is just classic Freddy versus Jason stuff yeah. right here. So, right, right. you know. Um, although Friday the Thirteenth, the original doesn't uh, doesn't feature Jason so much as a uh, as a staple as the uh, as the sequels do. Spoilers! Spoilers! Friday the Thirteenth is the story of a group of teen counselors who are setting up a summer camp at Camp Crystal Lake, <laughs> previously known as Camp Blood. It details the short story of the final days of these teen counselors. We also get a glimpse into small town Americana, which is unbearably quaint. There isn't a lot of story to this one, and that's kind of the point. Um, my review of Friday the, th the 13th is um, pretty, you know, is about as short and sweet as the synopsis of it. Uh, this was the first independent film of its time to secure distribution in the U.S. by a major studio. That's Paramount. So this was an independent film that got picked up. Really? Right away. Like, I did not know that. The studios saw this and they went, holy shit. And it started a bidding war and, uh, yeah, was uh, set, set a precedent there. Um, it was directed by Sean S. Cunningham, who went on to write and produce many of the sequels, and written by Victor Miller. Now, interesting little side note about Victor Miller here. He actually went on to write—I mean, his writing career consists almost exclusively, um, I, I believe, if I recall this correctly, of Friday the 13th sequels. That being said, he is famously quoted as saying, I never watched any of them. <laughs> Why is that? Well, he he took an issue with the killer of the first one not being the killer of the sequels. So he had a problem with Jason. J just so happened to happened that he wrote all the sequels. So there you go. Um, a lot of the sequels or co-wrote. Uh, Friday the 13th was the second of the big franchise slashers to hit the scene following the success of 1978's Halloween. This movie birthed so many tropes and trends that it's almost comical. It is also great to see Kevin Bacon in one of his earliest and sexiest, I think, roles. Yeah, you really, really get to see the outline of Kevin Bacon's dick yeah. in this movie. Yeah, like, a lot of dick root going on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, and his back he looks so strong. All right, like you could just, like you could just fold me up and just, just cuddle. You know, it's making me uncomfortable. Uh, but yes, <laughs> while Friday the Thirteenth is no crowning achievement in filmmaking, it does set the stage for eighties horror very nicely with a parade of sexy but disposable characters, great practical effects by Tom Savini, and tense music by Harry Manfredini. Friday the 13th is a classic that is only dwarfed, in my opinion, by the sequel, Friday the 13th Part 2. If you haven't seen this movie, don't expect to be totally blown away or anything. Uh, instead, in expect to gain a better understanding of the foundation of the slasher genre, because this is basically the second big, big cookie-cutter slasher to hit mm -hmm. the scene following Halloween. What did, uh, what did you think of Friday the 13th? Yeah, I mean, it's not the most impressive film to watch. It, when you reverse engineer yeah. slashers and you get back to its beginnings, there's nothing 
really unique. Right. Or, I mean, I guess with this one, there is something a little unique in, in the twist. Well, not only that, but they they do take the camera and put the audience in the place of the killer, which I don't believe had really been done before. I thought Halloween did that. It kind of I mean, did. They but did, the, they did the, the camera work and then the breathing through. And Black Christmas did that, too. Yeah, I guess you're. Yeah, no, I guess you're right. This definitely it was a staple of this. Yeah, I mean, it. it it kind of it seemed like it took the subgenre and refined it into mm-hmm. the essentials. Yeah, it packaged it. It really did away with any pretense of story, right. or character yes. development, or um, anything like that. Here's so, some titties. Yeah, <laughs> check them out. There, look at all these fun people. Just f- free balling it. They. They're fun. Yeah. That's... They're good to look at. Care. There's an older one. Yeah. You don't care about them. What, so what, a, what about them? What are their hopes and dreams? Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Uh, they're all going to die. Um, yeah, I don't name anybody in this because I don't... I don't Like, I've seen this movie, I don't know, four or five times throughout my life, and I, I, can't, I can't remember anybody's fucking name. There's people that can. I'm sure there is. Um, yeah. People who are good at that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I come into it from seen mostly the parodies and the remakes the movies that are that are subverting the tropes of it yeah and it's it's weird to see how strong those tropes are established in this like the judd character the harbinger of doom yeah is like such a harbinger of doom yeah it's like you're all doomed. Yeah. You're all gonna die. Doomed. Doomed. <laughs> it's like, all right, we get it. Okay. It's like, all right. I mean, if you were the first audience for this, you'd just be like, Jesus. Like, <laughs> it's just so ripe for, for mockery. It's It's surprising that it took till, felt like it took till the 90s till like it really got taken apart yeah and even like cabin in the woods and even modern modern horror comedies are really using those same tropes that are established in this film yeah that being said um you know i've i have made it no secret that i'm not a huge fan of slashers right so i don't think either of us are the biggest fans of slashers it doesn't i kind of get that it does a couple new unique things and establishes some new things but to me they're not particularly interesting because i just i'm just not really affected by slashers as much because i just know everyone's gonna die i really dig like i dig the historical significance of this movie more than more than most horror movies because of it has so many cool like you said it sets the tropes up so heavily yeah and then also it's such a sign of the times kind of thing comes out right after um it's it's got like the it's got like the empire twist right the the empire strikes back twist of like oh right 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 you know uh and then uh i don't know and it's it's just such a little it's like a snow globe you know, yeah. it's like this perfectly comprised and packaged little thing. And uh, and it started or it helped start, you know, 
just these this bevy of sequels. Yeah, it's one of those things where with this with these movies that start off franchises in the horror genre, it's usually just unlocking the the new idea or new setting yeah. that you can just build as a foundation going forward. And so this one I don't know how long they they kept up the trope, but I mean setting it in a summer camp is such a simple idea. It's so and it's simple. It's just so perfect. It's brilliant. It's and to be honest with you, that's 90% of my love of this movie is I, I like I love the summer camp vibe. Yeah. I like everything it stands for. And then so like for Friday the 13th the, the thing is like he's in your dreams. Like the slash no, the Elm killer. Street. Yeah, Elm Street. And in Elm Street Freddy is in your dreams so right. you can't escape it. And they can just build a whole franchise off of that. Yeah. In uh, Halloween, it's he's here's this un, here's this unstoppable this, force. this blank yeah but unstoppable object yeah and then with uh, and then with Friday the Thirteenth you have like mommy issues you know and 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 revenge like true revenge like Jason is all about getting back at the people who did him wrong or him his wrong right yeah so. I get it. It and it was it's it's good for for what it is, but I just don't care that much. What, what do you give it as a score? Yeah, I'm going. I, I'm going a pretty strong seven on this one. Um, it's not like I said. This is not. This is no crowning achievement in film. Uh, I mean, it stands for a lot of cool things and it set up a lot of cool stuff. But in terms of just being a good movie, it's not the best. But it's it holds my attention to this day and there are so many moments in this movie where i'm just engaged with bitch get out the house like there's so much <laughs> of me being like turn off the lights what's the matter with you it's got so much of like this like this dumb bitch this this has the most ineffectual dumb final girl of any movie that i've seen <sighs> God, she's the, so the final dumb. girl in this movie is just like comically yeah inept yeah deserving and it it actually starts out early and i almost wonder how how intentional it is with these (laughs) things and like how much i should appreciate the the meta humor yeah of this or if it's like well unintentional so we'll we'll talk about that in a second we'll get into that it's real i don't i don't want to i don't want to forget to mention like this was a really controversial movie. Like Siskel and Ebert like went on hard record like this is garbage. This stands for everything that's wrong with movies. This is an exploitation film and uh and it yeah, sets up right. women to be weak uh-huh. and and it's like all things that we love. Right. <laughs> But that's but that's specifically not what it is. Right. You know, it flies in the face of that and it tries to. I don't know. There's so much interesting stuff. Yeah. uh, Surrounding this. So anyway, what do you give it? I gave it a seven. Um, I'm going to give it an eight. Oh, wow. Which is a little generous. I'm trying to give it a little boost from some of the unique elements that it introduces. And I genuinely think that the ending is interesting it, it is ele- interesting it elevates it yeah to a point where it's like okay this is you know it's significant it's a tentpole you know start to a yeah. franchise um 
So I, I'd feel bad about giving it a seven, but that's fair. I mean, yeah, eight, eight sounds fair to me. I, I, I wouldn't understand if anyone gives us a ten out of ten, though. If this is like one of the best movies of all time, I realized as I was, you could you could chalk that up to nostalgia, you know. Yeah, I realized like how ungenerous we are with our ratings sometimes. Really, and I think I I uh, crack the code of what why that is. Why? Because I think I treat it as. A bell curve. Uh, so, like... I don't so, so much. For, for me, it's like, it's a total bell curve. Everything is going to group around five. Right. And that's kind of what you see with, like, IMDb well, yeah. ratings anyways. Well, yeah. But for me, it's all, all going to group around five. And then the, the outliers, the exceptional, are going to be on either side of the tail. Right. Um, so, I mean, eight... Is pretty good in my eyes, but it's not like blew me away. Right. You know? Yeah, I don't treat it so much as a bell curve. Uh, I had, I have in the past, and I don't enjoy the feeling of giving it those scores. Yeah, because it's, I don't know, it's it's so. I it's mean, more scientific, but less satisfying. Right, and but but also, it's like score score for a movie. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah, I think like really to make it more interesting it it would be like if you give anything an 8 you should give it a 10 right. if you give anything like a 3 you should give it a 1 like yeah. like that's what well i you're think really i saying. think that's sensationalizing you know i think yeah. i think that leads i think that's a, should just, a path that leads to ruin we should rate on a curve we should take a record of all of our ratings we should get everything for a five. the year and then just like grade it like a teacher you know that just this is enough. Cuts out. That's, that's enough. But okay. I will say, I will say, Friday the 13th, um, the like eight of them are available right now on Shudder. Um, and if you just head over to Shudder.com, S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, and enter H-M-T for Horror Movie Talk at checkout, then, uh, then you get 30-day free trial, and you get to watch the first one and the better second one. Oh. Um and and Bryce just watched the first one and second one. I think both last night. Yeah, it's also on Amazon Prime right now. Oh, so you don't need to sign up for Shutter if you don't want to. Um, Shutter has a lot of other good movies right now. It's the, Texas Chainsaw still on there. Yeah, they're celebrating the the middle point of yeah. Halloween, so halfway to Halloween. Um, so they've got The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw, all the Friday the Thirteenth. Um, not but yeah. all, not all of them, but eight of them. Yeah, a lot. Okay. Of them. So Amazon has a ton of them yeah. um as well. So um so, so that's where you can find them. So check that out. Those are our scores. Um you guys make sure I'm just going to I'm just going to blow through this emergency alert and say, "Listen, it's a tough time right now for movie theaters in general. We rely on movie theaters when, you know, when we're not in a global pandemic and uh to to bring you guys reviews of new movies. So please go to your local movie theater, ask what you can, well, call them, ask what you can do to support them and tell them HMT Horror Movie Talk sent you and you know just be like give horror movie talk some love just just give them get just give them some advertisement when this whole thing's done give them some some time on your screen and then uh you know buy a gift card and they'll they'll i'm sure that they when when this whole thing just blows through we're just all gonna buy, just go sit at the 
at the uh, yeah the, the thing. thing and have a pint and yeah. blah blah blah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so make sure to support your local theaters. Also, if you'd like to support us, you can do so um, in two two big ways by heading over to our website horrormovietalk.com and up at the top uh, in the banner two buttons. One says shop on Amazon. If you click that button and bookmark it and use it every time that you shop on Amazon during the pandemic, then you will, you know, kick us some money. And nobody's been doing that recently. And it hurts my wallet. It hurts our wallet. And, uh, and we, we need, we need, uh, my children need wine. Um, <laughs> so you guys, you know, the other way you can do it much more directly and has been, you know, has been working out very nicely recently is, Patreon. If you guys want to support the show and get access to a bunch of exclusive horror movie talk content, we got a whole another podcast going on on just exclusively on Patreon that you guys don't get to hear unless you're a Patreon member. And that's called the Afterpod where we just leave the mics rolling and shoot the shit and talk about our week and it's kind of a decompression podcast and it's kind of nice. And just by the way, I'd like to say thank you to this week has been very generous to us. Yeah. Dale of the Dead, thank you so much for becoming a Patreon member. Zach, oh, thank you. Chris P. and Carrie Day. Carrie, Carrie Day. <laughs> um, thank you, honey. I really appreciate you. She kept asking me. She's like, I want to hear the after pod. I was like, that's not how it works. I can't just get that. You literally, I can't just, I literally cannot. I, there's no way for me to give you. So you can't gift. I can't gift a you a tier. Patreon tier. And she's like, well, what do I got to do to hear them? I was like, I guess become a Patreon member thinking she'll never do that. And then she does it. The problem is I talk a lot of shit <laughs> on there about her. <laughs> and yeah. the jig is up, Bryce. Yeah. I think uh, I think the afterpod is going to become different somehow. I think my reaction and my delight over the fact that Carrie became a Patreon oh. is uh, sending unwanted signals to my wife. She's like, well, what? What do you talk about on there? Don't I mean we mostly talk about Carrie. <laughs> uh, and then uh just I think we we thank Travis as well, but I just want to make sure we we uh cover him if we haven't travis b also joined yeah you guys like seriously from the bottom of our hearts it's this has been a a a very nice week for us uh with with all you joining patreon and um, you know we do produce a free product every week for you know everyone to listen to and if you can if you can help us out by supporting us on patreon or through uh purchasing things on amazon we sure do appreciate it i already mentioned shutter and hmt at checkout that gets you 30-day free trial of Shudder, um, which is a horror streaming service. You can also check out our resident artist, Dustin Goble, who's a professional artist who fucks with the best of them. He also takes commissions for artwork from HMT fans. Uh, so make sure to contact him at D-G-O-E-B-E-L-0-0 on Instagram and make your artistic dreams come true. Make sure to tell him HMT sent you. Man, he just he released just, yeah, he just the did coolest a- 
the coolest piece of art I've seen. Yeah, he did a commission of the Cannibal the Musical. Cannibal the Musical poster. God. I don't know if it's a direct off the poster if he took a bunch of Oh no, it's, it's I think it's a, yeah, I think this is like an original. Yeah. And it is awesome. It's it's, got, it's like I don't know, I can't describe it. You have to see it. It's got all the like notable scenes represented in this poster style. Yes, it's it's fabulous. It's like a collage of all the notable moments in in Cannibal the Musical, yeah. which if you guys, you know, don't know, that's that is Trey um, Parker's like original student film. Yeah, that's their that's Trey Parker and Matt Stone um doing a doing a musical and it's uh, you know, it's very them. If you haven't seen and also It's it's crazy to think that they, <laughs> they did Cannibal it it it's a testament to if you continue with creative endeavors, how good you can get. You can get fucking good. They started with Cannibal the Musical, which is funny and still holds up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, especially as a student film, like it's really impressive. But these guys just did the Book of Mormon musical, yeah. which is a Tony Award winning, in my opinion, one of the best musicals of all time. <laughs> well, I think you skipped a you skipped a step here, Bryce. Well, they South also Park. they also did Orgasmo. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> which is another Mormon fun right. poking movie. I, I still haven't seen Orgasmo. Are you serious? Oh man, yeah, you need to watch. It. I should probably watch it's, it. It's brilliant. I mean, even Cannibal the Musical was about Mormons too. Wasn't it about the Donner part? Oh no, it was about the other Donner party. I think they whoever they were talking about were actually Mormons, I think. Don't quote me on I that. I think they were probably <laughs> the French. I think they were the French. There was one French in it. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um so also you can support if you liked our intro music, you can support Max Allen, that's at Max underscore Allen one two three five on Instagram. Kid is he's I mean, he's bomb-ass talent in, in terms of audio. Yeah, I want to... I, I need to reach out to him and tell him this. Well, he, he might hear it he right hear now, it. but... Yeah. Uh, he became uh, a Patreon member recently, too. I'll, I'll tell you what. It pumps us up. It sure does. Yeah, it, I get all like, fucking dancing. Like, I... It's different now, starting the episode. It sure is. Because it's like a dance party yeah. in here when we play that new intro. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll luck out and he'll make like, maybe he'll make, okay, maybe he'll make one with like ripping, like shredding guitars, like, you know, here, let's isolate this. Okay. Yeah, okay. There you go. Max, work your, work your magic. You know what to do. We'll have to, we'll have to commission him to do a... Some some other intros. Yeah, we'll give you guys a little, little taste, a little taste of that. Okay, and without any further ado, let's get into spoilers. Spoilers. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh. Um... <laughs> So, Friday the 13th, the uh the 1980 original was is the uh first movie in a franchise of 12 <laughs> movies with a franchise worldwide total box office earning of 466 million dollars. And the first one 
is I think one of still one of the most profitable movies uh, slashers ever. Um, the Halloween franchise. Uh, so to give you guys a an idea of of where the 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 big three stand. So four hundred and sixty six million. That's Friday the Thirteenth. All the movies. Halloween franchise comes in at six hundred and eighteen with thirteen movies to its name. Six hundred and eighteen million dollars worldwide total box office. And Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street comes in at four, uh, just a just a smidge under uh, Friday the Thirteenth at four hundred and forty eight million dollars but only with nine movies so mm-hmm. three less than than friday the 13th and just about the same same take so it's, it's weird when you look at box office numbers like i need to do a blog post about this but there's this phenomenon yeah. i i look when you when you look at the if you see numbers for production costs versus yeah. how much they make it's like the law of diminishing returns after the production is more than five million. Yeah, like if you go more than five million on a slasher, it's just kind of like what? Just don't put don't money bother. into yeah. Just just churning. You, you can get more money out of it, but it's the profit margin narrows because people don't really care about production value in a slasher as much. Yeah, it's a weird. It is a weird thing, and uh, and you don't necessarily get a better product either. No. Like. There, that diminishing return is because also the product is feels fucked out or like overproduced or something like that. Yeah. What what's really the utility of CGI in a slasher? Yeah. It's yeah. Exactly. Thank you. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see how profitable these can be when they're you know plucky little movies and and people get behind them. Yeah. Um. I mean, first and off, they grow, and then they grow into bloated, yeah. like corpses of an idea. They're like, ah, this is so fucked out, but we gotta put out Jason. I was talking to I was talking to our uh, uh, one of our resident bloggers, Keith Harris, the other day uh, on the phone, and, and uh, we I, I love talking to him because it's like you bounce ideas off of him, and he's just he's an encyclopedia yeah. of of memories and, and recollections of all these kinds of things. And, uh, and he's got so many cool takes on it cause he's thought about it so right. much. And, uh, and I was like, we were into talking about the, the slashers and I was like, you know, of the big, of the big, like five. So we'll say Halloween, Friday, the 13th nightmare, Hellraiser and child's play. That's what I kind of contend mm-hmm. are the, are the big five or six, uh, franchise slashers, which is your, f- like, which holds up the best. And he was, he kind of said the same thing that I've, I've held, which is, well, what's yours of those, of those f- five. What, what you said child's play, Hellraiser, Friday the 13th, Halloween and nightmare. nightmare. Yeah. Like what, 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 what seems to I mean, hold up the best? It's you? not fair because I've, I've only seen like one or two of each of those. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the concept, all, you've seen the best of all of them, though. To be fair, <laughs> maybe you have. Um, um, see, I've only seen the first Hellraiser, and I've heard that the sequels to Hellraisers, uh, to Hellraiser, 
just the quality falls off a yeah, they, fucking cliff. They do they drop off quite a bit later though. Um like I think the second one's okay, but the third one is kind of a hot mess, if I recall. I don't yeah. I don't remember. I'm not a big we're neither of us a big slash fan, so just chill the fuck out. Right. I mean Hellraiser is a strong movie it is. on its own. Yeah. Um and super unique in yeah. its feel. Um I mean I kind of prefer the more fantastical and and supernatural, so I'd probably lean more towards nightmare or child's play. Okay. Um, yeah, I I said I, I think Keith and I both said child's play. Yeah. Like just in terms of strong, strong entries the whole way through. First of all, second of all, super upsetting concept. Mm. Uh, if you go back and watch the watch the first child's play. It is so dark. Yeah. It's much darker than you remember it being a doll, a cute little doll that kills people. It is a legitimate serial killer who hates the child that loves this little doll and just wants to just fucking stab him in the face. And it's like, (laughs) ugh, it's so gross. And the creative crew behind it really stuck together. Like the guy who created it. Created all of them almost, right. with the exception of the 2019 one. Yeah, same um, same voice for all and of them same too, voice. except for the 2019. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I don't know. I'm t- I tend to be a, a bigger fan of of Child's Play, but I, I'd say Friday the 13th is is I'm not so partial to Halloween. Yeah, I just don't. I, I just think don't feel it. So. Yeah, I think the in terms of like character, it's hard to argue against Freddy. Like, oh yeah, Freddy is like the strongest. Yeah. Character. Chucky is really good. Yeah, he's great. But Freddy is like, I mean, that's just a scary mutated face guy with knives but for fingers. Freddy so. begins to contend with himself. It, this was another point that that uh, um, that Keith made. He's like, you know, Freddy goes is, so, is such a spectacular um, personality that he actually starts getting in the way of the later movies. And I, I don't know because I haven't seen many of them, but, uh, he's like, you know, there's a point where it just becomes absurd and, uh, and the personality brings you out of the terror because Mm -hmm. it's just so much Freddie. And I can see that, but yeah, I mean, they all have their good points and stuff. And, and I, I don't know. I, I'm interested to, to know what our fans think. What do you guys Hi, Robert England here, a.k.a. Freddy fucking Krueger. <laughs> Sorry, Robert. <laughs> we love you. Oh, um, my love God. Freddy. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all it's all it's all great stuff. Um, And I be- I'm beginning to, you know, really kind of take a shine to slashers a little bit more than I had before. They didn't shape me. So yeah, much. I mean, I think what what they are is like they're better appreciated in groups and in bulk. Like it's, it's better taking them all together within context. Yeah. Because none of them alone are that interesting, but like seeing how a franchise develops and like gets more extreme and then jumps the shark. Yeah. Is the interesting part of it. Yeah. Yes. And, and yeah. And that where it starts out with like, Hey, it's, it's a fun story about a summer camp and like, up oh, there, this has a weird past. What, what's the mystery behind the past? Oh, there's a reveal at the end too. 
Jason in space. <laughs> yeah, he was. It's yeah, like, Keith was saying. Yeah, there's a part in Jason in space where you can tell where where it's so obvious. Like he goes into this teleporter and or something like that. He goes. He travels through time or dimensions or something <laughs> like that. And he ends up at this camp, and these girls are like, "Oh, he's gonna kill us. Did he want to fuck us first? Ha ha ha!" And it's like the writers looking at directly at the audience and winking and being like, "We know what we did. <laughs> like, we know what." This this is so do you <laughs> where it just becomes so gratuitous and ridiculous that uh that even the writers st- start giving up any any like you know uh, uh facade yeah. that they're that they're undeniably home. a slasher would be the funnest to write oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah. um as is evidenced by uh thanks killing uh-huh. uh i really enjoy the summer camp setting i think the summer camp setting is what Friday the 13th, first of all, brought to the scene and then also really just it works in this movie. And did you go to summer camp as a kid? I did. I went to a few. Um, See, just I, West Coast summer camps are much different than East Coast summer camp. East Coast yeah. summer camps are like summer, like two months or something like that. Yeah. West Coast summer camps are like a week or two. Yeah. See, I went to Boy Scout camp. OK. And um, there's not as much fucking and Boy Scout camp, mm. as in, you know, you'd Friday be surprised, Bryce. Uh, <laughs> God damn, look at those hot children. <laughs> I feel like I'm gypped because, like, there's no girls at Boy Scout camp. No, so yeah, Boy Scouts. Gross. Uh, but yeah, that was my experience, and and it's like not the same. Mm, yeah, because it's like uh, Boy Scout camp's almost like working. Yeah, like. You got to get all these merit badges. You got to get it, get it while the getting's good, because that's where I got like ninety percent of my merit badges for my scouting. Okay, because I would never do it outside of Boy Scout camp. Yeah, I you couldn't. You were a Mormon, so you had to do Boy Scouts. Mm, yeah. They tried to trick me with that fucking shit. We below <laughs> school, and they were like, "Time to make a bird feeder." And I was like, "Fuck you, assholes! Give me a knife!" And they were like. Uh, we're just Weeblos, and I was like, this is a, the biggest, this is the worst agreement, trade agreement ever. <laughs> well, you gotta take the, uh, I quit that the safety, shit. The, the knife safety course, which Fuck is you. called, um, oh my god, what is it called? The knife safety. Is it fire and shit? I <laughs> The knife safety course is called growing up in, in my house with my dad. Um, <clears throat> Sorry about that. Anyways, um, summer camp is a great setting. Agreed. Yeah, it's like it stands for so many cool things. It's like the first time kids are like outside the bounds of like mom and dad. And it's kind of like there's this unnervingness of being alone for the first time. But in these in this movie, we it's just, it's just the, the counselors. counselors. Yeah, they're just setting up the summer camp, which is even sexier. It's like cut out all the dumb bullshit. None of this plan. You know, uh, playing around. It's just straight to the sex. Right. It's just like, let's get sweaty. And then they do. And Kevin Bacon's in it. Yeah. Um, I also absolutely love the old town feel of the local town. Can you, can you, when you watch a movie, you're like, oh, David's going to love this. Um, Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you call it on this one with the old town feel? No. I, I don't know why I wouldn't. I haven't seen your love for old townness the, before. The cafe, like the feeling of like this community that's like to get, you know, like. Yeah, it feels like a town that I'd stop by on the way to the Oregon coast. Yeah. It's yeah. Like they all know the, each other. The forest opens up into like one gas station stop. Yeah. And there's like 
some kind of convenience there's, store next to it. There's Henry and and over there's Maud and you know they just it's another slice day day of life in in old town Americana. This is in New Jersey, by the way. Um, and actually, the camp that they that they filmed at for this movie is still in. It's, it's still, still a summer, operation. It's, it's still a summer camp. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, the there's and and like when we're at uh, kind of I don't I don't know how much how much of the beats we really want to hit. There's a it's, this is this, this movie is so disposably. Yeah, really, it's like tropey. The beginning, the beginning with Judd. Yeah. Warning them. Yeah. Is notable. And the ending is notable. Everything in the middle is literally just just unseen person killing a bunch of teenagers. Yeah, just pulp. It's yeah. just it's just silly pulp. Um but yeah, Judd is so strong in this. Yeah. Leave. Is his name Judd? Uh huh. Oh damn. You got, you're all doomed. Wasn't wasn't it Judd in Pet Cemetery as well? Wasn't that his actual name? Well, yeah, Judd is the the old elderly neighbor guy. Yeah, don't says. go in that pet cemetery. You gotta leave. <laughs> don't go in there. As he's leading him to the pet cemetery. Check out this pet cemetery. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to imagine that that Judd is like the the broken clock syndrome, where like he just tells everyone that yeah. they're doomed. Yeah. And to get out of town. That's Judd. He tells everyone they're doomed. And that, you know, 99.9% of the time, nothing happens to anyone he says that to. Basically a Rick and Morty character who who walks up to people and he's like, so so he says something to Rick and Morty. He's like, you're doomed. And then like some some gigantic, you know, space monster comes out and like grabs them and pulls them into another dimension. And then the camera focuses back in on Judd and he's like, you're doomed to a chicken who just like pecking at the ground and it's like <laughs> right. you know there's yeah. nothing happens most yeah. mostly nothing ever happens but Judd gets enough zingers off that yeah. he believes in himself right right so the setup for this is really super typical um the girl heads to camp and she's warmed by Judd uh that she won't live because there's a death curse on the camp and why is there a really death how is there how mm-hmm. how is there a mm-hmm. death curse on this camp when there was just like a killing five years ago. God damn! Look at those hot children. Or what would it be? Calm down. I guess it would be how many years before was it from the setting? Anyways, it like, was like it was like thirty years ahead. Yeah, so it was or twenty. Yeah, so ahead. like twenty years ago, two people got killed. Therefore, this camp is cursed for all time. It's well, like, so no, so it begins in fifty-seven. A boy drowns. Right. Jason Voorhees drowns because the camp counselors were not, they were busy making out. And that's mm-hmm. no good. And then two camp counselors get murdered. Then the year after that, in 58, that, that next year, two of the counselors get murdered. Therefore, it's cursed. And for then in all 62, time. a bunch of buildings burn down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I guess that's true. So, you know, it, it was just like this spree of like year after year. Uh, shit started happening after Jason Voorhees died, which I don't, I don't get why. But the start of this, like the first half hour is super easy breezy and it starts with a lot of fun flirting. And it's very similar to what we were talking about in quarantine, where it's just I love the feeling of the right. easy breezy start. Yeah, easy, it, easy breezy, beautiful cover girl. Yeah. Um, so the the one standout moment in this and, and tell me if this stood out to you in the very beginning 
where the girl, which I think ends up being the final girl, okay, is nailing a um, gutter into the side of a building. Mm-hmm. Did you get a kick out of how ineffectually she was moving that ladder? Yeah. Like, yeah, just, just like she comes down. She's kind of just like looking back and forth. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands because she's waiting for like the next thing to happen in the scene. It's almost like she was a star in an independent horror movie. Yeah. And she's like <laughs> kind of touching the ladder, but not moving it. And she's like, yep, just got to, you know, I'm, I'm working here. She's like patting the top of it. <laughs> and then she moves it literally like half an inch and then climbs back up to nail another nail. Did you notice? I'm so envious. Was that awkward to I'm you? I'm so envious of your ability to focus. <laughs> I really am. It comes in and out because that one drew me out. It felt so much like this is someone vamping actions in a scene because she can't just like imagine not knowing how to how to just basically do things or just stop you know that's also an option is just like climb down the ladder put an arm on it and look at the guy talking to you as opposed to like i, I guess just uh you know kind of quarter fold up this ladder kind of like adjust it like hmm yeah 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 i mean they all feel with the ex- but well, it's it's funny because it feels so ineffectual and like she doesn't know what she's doing and I'm not sure if it's intentional or not but <laughs> at the end of the film when she's the end the last girl she is she's, the most ineffectual last girl of any movie and it's all that kind of stuff everything like, uh, uh, I'm going to barricade the door I'm going to pick the- up a fork this is this will be my salvation uh. Yeah. Uh, so there's so the whole way through this movie, the audience is put in the position of the killer as the camera makes its way stalking through the camp. Yeah. First person perspective on a lot of the shots, but it also plays with it because, yeah, it's not always like it can't always be actually the killer watching because sometimes it's way too close well and sometimes it's like they they do a reverse shot and there's no one there we are in the spoilers section yeah so the end of this movie uh we learn the reason why that all the killings happened is because jason Voorhees mother mrs Voorhees, has been killing people there but in revenge and to get revenge on those who you know who she, she blames for the death of her son for not watching her son while he was drowning in Camp Crystal Lake. Now, a lot of the controversy surrounding this movie and a lot of the reviews that I read and a lot of the critical analysis that I read was like, was offended by the bait and switch or the twist ending. Really? Because a lot of the, a lot of these camera shots where you, where you are placed in the eyes of the, of the killer, you get views of boots uh-huh. You get views of gloves, uh-huh. you know, gloved hands. And so automatically your mind goes, oh, this is a man. Mm-hmm. But at the end, it turns out, oh, no, this is a woman. It's like the music video, Smack My Bitch Up. Smack My Bitch Up. Exa- this is exactly where I was going with this. Sorry for ruining it. It's not. Um, <laughs> so, so 
this this the movie intentionally made it very difficult to critique the movie as exploiting women right because it's a woman doing <laughs> so fuck you and Got him. and it and it does it by setting your expectations by making you the sexist by going oh a woman can't wear gloves or work boots mm-hmm. but then at the end boom oh well shit it was it was it was a woman the whole time a woman stabbing all it's one of the people. greatest female empowerment movies of all time. It really is. And it doesn't get like it doesn't get any <laughs> it doesn't get any credit for for being like that is clever. It's clever and yeah. it's a big fuck you. It yeah. is a big middle finger to the critical community. Um which we're part of and hey fuck us. Like we're nothing <laughs> special. <laughs> so, uh yeah, I mean I, I think that's I think that's a pretty cool twist. There's a there's a part in, in this where this where one of the girls has the most fucking metal dream I've ever heard of. <laughs> and I love it. She's like, I had a dream last night where where there was a storm and the rain was so loud and the rain was blood and and it's all I could hear. And, and then she begins to make it with bacon and it turns into rivers of blood, rivers of blood. God damn, that's the most Slayer goddamn song ever. Yeah. Rest in uh, peace, Slayer. Rip rip in peace, Slayer. I gotta I gotta correct myself. It's not Judd, it's Ralph. Oh, damn. You've been Ralph f- fucking I made fucking no- it up the whole time. Um and I sorry, going back to Ralph. I love that he bikes away. For some reason that's just delightful. <laughs> he gets on his bike and You gotta like huff it out of there instead of like <laughs> instead you're <laughs> up the hill. Um, yeah, so then, then after she tells this fucking metal dream about like rivers of blood and rain that's so loud you can't hear, then she begins to make it with bacon and yeah. And then on the top bunk, unbeknownst to them is a dead body of one of their friends. Yeah. And I thought it would have been a great choice. Yeah. They didn't make use of that. If there was, if this was made today. If I made it, I would have made Kevin Bacon's character notice the dead body yeah. and then just be like, I'm about to make it with I this don't... girl. And she's a fucking stone cold fox. Let's let's uh, discover this body after we fuck. Yeah. And yeah, have and then... him be like, oh, no, what? Then they get in their van and. See you later, buddy. God. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So Bacon. God, you see a lot of his dick root going on here. Yeah, a lot of outline. Like, it was very uh, Sleepaway Camp-esque in terms of, like, bulge outline. Slashers gave us some fucking badass actors. We got yeah. Johnny Depp in Nightmare. We got Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. We got Bacon, Friday the 13th. And then I think there's a... F- I can't. I can't think of anyone else. There's lots of people. Yeah, there Paul Rudd is in one of the oh, Halloween. Yeah, Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So like Halloween Five or something. It's like one that. of the worst ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get too far, th- there's another. Or maybe it's oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, I just have a couple things in the middle of it that were notable to me. So they discover this snake in one of the cabins, mm-hmm. and I just want to point out, like, one of the girls uses a pillow to try to beat the snake. Uh-huh. And I love the idea how ineffectual 
a pillow. Our pillows are useless against it. <laughs> it's like, really? Really? <laughs> dumb idiot. Yeah, so this is like, I think the thing about the Friday the 13th series is it's the sexiest of them. Uh-huh. Like it shows the most skin. It has the hottest girls. Mm-hmm. It's got, I mean, it's got Kevin Bacon's full ass. You get, to, you get to see his ass. It's great. Okay. So, uh, so, you know, I mean, I'm not guaranteeing nothing. But, yeah, I mean, I mean it's a good. It's I a must nice, say, like, nice I, I almost wonder. So I watched first and the second Friday the 13th back to back last night. And it feels like one of the choices they made is that they they uh, chose smaller chested women to represent younger girls. So did you notice that maybe maybe they get bigger as time goes on? But <laughs> like there was there was a type for for these Friday the Thirteenth. Yes, females. Sure. I mean they. I don't. <sighs> You know, I think there was, okay, there was so, nothing bigger hang, than like a B cup. Now hang on here. Now hang on here. I think I think a weird thing started happening in the mid eighties and definitely in the nineties, where like where like suddenly like everything is expected to be like big tits, tiny waist, like this like this super uh-huh. like stereotypical and you hear it in the people of that generation, right? So like Adam Carolla, who we we both had listened to for a long time, he like I know his lane of women, and it's the lane of women that a lot of basically Xers, um like mm-hmm. like early Xers love. And like my dad too. Like like some boomers, a lot of boomers too, which is like, I don't want a girl with a big butt. I, I just, I just want it like this shapely, like th- little wafy sort of thing, kind uh-huh. of thing. And, and so I think it's a sign of the times more than anything else, where it's like, what is appreciated the most, which is like a, t- a hard body, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, you're, you're right. They're definitely little hard bodies. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that. Not all body types were represented in no, this movie. No, and I and don't get me wrong. I'd appreciate some ass on on them on them late, but they were sexy as hell. Uh, uh, particularly the the girl who's sorry making it. I was like, damn nigga, what you doing out here with all this ass? Double cheeked up on a Thursday afternoon, hella ass. The sun is still out, my nigga. I'm not discriminatory. Like women right. are beautiful to me. Period. Right. And bacon's bacon's but did I mention that bacon is kind of naked in this? All right. Oh, okay. yes, All yes, right. you did. Sorry, I'm getting, I'm starting getting on Bryce's nerves. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot of this that I, I don't, I don't know that it's, it's necessarily. Can Can I ask a question, please? In this movie, there's a scene with Strip Monopoly. Yeah. Has anyone played Strip anything at any time in real life? Like I. I I did. I, that feels like such a movie thing. I did. You did? Yeah. I think it was in grade school or something like that. Yeah. And it was just like so, like it was so titillating. Just the thought of it uh-huh. that I probably just creamed right there. I was just like, it's like, you know, just it's one of these things that a a kid mm-hmm. would find very. But then once you get to be of age, it's like. 
I can't imagine this any retarded any teenager that would be cool with that. Like, I I think teenagers, even if like super good looking and horny teenagers, like would be very self conscious to get undressed in front of a group of people. Yeah. Uh, uh, although you know, so I, were there girls at the this strip? Uh, whatever. What was what was it? Strip. I think Yachty it was actually or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, there were. Um, but I don't think I don't think any of the crowds that I ran with <laughs> the Simpson crowd uh-huh. that I ran with uh would yeah, the, and and probably your crowd too. Not yeah, definitely not strip type. Yeah. Well, I'll be damned. So <laughs> let us know if uh you've ever played strip anything in the <laughs> the comments or on social Yeah, and media. pictures are welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh videos too. <laughs> so uh a lot of a lot of so let's just skip to the end where the girl's barricading the door <laughs> and we get like this four minute expose of her like tossing loose furniture against a door uh-huh. and me just being like that's not structurally sound at all yeah and then she, there's, she there's kind like, of loose- she's in a building made of windows she loosely ties a rope around the doorknob with like plenty of slack Mm -hmm. it's not it's not stopping anything and then she piles up a pile of furniture and stuff not not like really building a barricade just kind of like putting a lackadaisical pile in front of it and the door swings out Uh, no it does not (laughs) it does oh no that's why she was tied oh that's why she tied oh the rope made sense okay but it was very poorly executed (laughs) <laughs> I'll tell you why this works. I'll tell you why this works is because, okay, so there's two ways to do this. The way they did it, which is to show a, a no cut scene of a, of a real girl flailing to accomplish a task that she was not the best at. Right. That's one way. The other way is to show a bunch of cuts where you, where you, where you put the chair under the under the thing and uh-huh. then you put a thing on top of the chair and then you put another thing and and then you have a solid piece that's going to keep somebody out that's not going to accomplish the worry that i felt uh-huh. while i saw, see this girl ineffectively putting together this barricade that could not stand up to the task at right. all right instead i'm sitting there going i'm very engaged i'm like what the f- no no do it better like I- i'm like full-on husband mode where i'm uh-huh. like oh, just put the no sweetie you gotta think about think about it in terms of lego blocks okay we want to make a structurally sound structure and and then she goes into the kitchen and instead of like pulling out a butcher knife or or some kind of like, you know, like a, a rolling pin, anything effectual. She goes for like the meat fork. She goes for the the, two, the garlic the, press. The two tine, <laughs> <laughs> the two tine fork, which she immediately drops at the first like sign of danger. Ah! <laughs> and then her hand opens, <laughs> and then she she's chased around by the killer. Um. <laughs> And then at one point she gets in the Jeep, which I think might even be running, but it's like she could just drive off. Oh, yeah. But there's a dead body. (laughs) Oh, this is this is okay. This is my there's a dead body in the passenger seat and she just freaks out and runs away. 
So, yeah. Make, I, make, I have, make I, note, kids. I, yeah. The best theft deterrent of any vehicle is just leaving the dead body of some chick in the passenger side. There you go. No Always, one's going to steal it. Just travel with a dead body in your car. Yeah. No, public service announcement. If you're in a, ever in a life or death situation and you happen to get in, and you happen to find a vehicle, but the vehicle has a dead body in it, don't scream and run away. Just push the dead body out the car and or go. Or just drive away with the dead body. Or just... Ooh. Fucking cares. Yeah, get away. I don't care if you have to jump into the skin of the dead person and then use their foot to press the yeah, gas. Just sit on their lap and drive the car. Who cares? All that washes off, and we have cures for most diseases. Except for the COVID. Yeah. Hmm. COVID-19! Oh, yeah. Actually... <laughs> <laughs> what? Have you not seen that? Kenneth Copeland no. clip. Oh my god. No, I haven't. I gotta I gotta pull this up. Is is this like televangelist that has the most ridiculous clip the, of this whole thing. Yeah. The Okay. So let me think here. This girl this girl makes every mistake in the book, and yet she manages to get away multiple times. <laughs> and each time she keeps fucking up like she yeah. turns on the lights in these cabins uh-huh. that she she runs uh-huh. between the cabins and then she turns the lights on i'm like bitch what are you doing <sighs> i'm just so frustrated and that's what makes the ending of this movie great is yeah. because the whole way you're like no don't do that don't do that and it feels bitch get out the house get out the house she gets okay she runs away the first time and she gets into the woods where mrs Voorhees runs past her and and then you think, okay, well, you're scot-free. You're in the limitless and randomized woods. You, no one can find you if you just hunker down under a log all uh-huh. night. Uh-huh. It, it, no, she she waits until Mrs. Voorhees walks past about, she gives it about a three count. And then she's like, I got to make my way back into that cabin I just ran <laughs> out of. And it's like, what, what, what? It could, you could be anywhere doing anything. You could could be halfway to the road by now Ugh. it's great <laughs> it's great in how in how annoying it is yeah um and then there's like a fight on the beach and i mean pretty good pretty good ending to this movie yeah so it's so strong yeah so she like feels like she escapes a couple times like th- that's another trope in these movies of the killer getting knocked down and apparently knocked out yeah yeah, we're we're getting there. Um, apparently knocked out, and then they of course reappear. Yeah, and then the ending is ineffectual. Girl does one of the best things she could ever do, which is chop her fucking head off with a machete. Yeah, chops it right off. And Tom Savini did the did all the practical effects for this one. He put an axe through a girl's head. Looks fucking great. He yeah. did the head chop off with blood squirting out the top. Looks amazing. And uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. It, first though, she knocks. Yeah, you mentioned she knocks her out. And and to which the note that I wrote was made headwater fall out of Mrs. Voorhees. Headwater is always means bi- bad bye bye dead. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Headwater is always means bad bye bye dead. 
And then there was the, um, so, so then you believe she's safe. She's floating around and she gets into a boat. She floats out in the lake and you're like, ah, yeah. and the police and show like up. And like the music turns to like peaceful camp yeah. music, like, everything's fine. Everything's happy. And then, uh, you, you see her and she's like, she's like, I'm going to wave to the cops on the shore. And then, whammo! Jason comes flying up out of the lake. Big old, he, I mean, he kind of, he kind of, he kind of, you smell that? You smell it? <laughs> Retard stink. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to say the word because I'm not. Mm-hmm. He's, he just, he just flies up out of the water and he looks a little off. He looks a little off. <laughs> And he grabs her and pulls her under. And uh, so there's kind of a like a there's kind of a jump scare ending. Yeah, there's so many. And it like, works really well. Like, I did not expect the jump yeah. scare ending the first time I saw this movie. And it fucking alarmed me. Yeah, it's uh, it is effective because it's completely nonsensical. Yes. And then it's another fake out because she wakes up in the hospital. Right. Yeah, that's right. And then she's like, where did they ever find the boy? No, like, what? what? What are you talking about? That means he's still out there. Dun, 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 dun. And then gives like the, you know, dead dun, eye dun, stare dun, into the dun, dun. camera. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, final recommendations. I think, you know, I really don't see this as being something that anyone should avoid. I think everybody should probably see yeah. the original Friday the 13th and part two. I'm going to say the far superior movie still in my eyes. Hmm. Is Sleepaway Camp. Oh, Sleepaway Camp is is great. Yeah. It's Sleepaway Camp. I cannot say enough good things about that movie in terms of. I mean, this movie, this movie breaks a lot of rules and makes a lot of people mad. But Sleepaway Camp breaks all the rules. Yeah. And is so not OK by today's standards. <laughs> <laughs> that you have to give it its due and it's delightful. Yeah. It's e- it even it even feels more charming and goofy than this. Yeah. Much more. Oh yeah. They they go way over the top in Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, like in every possible way. In dick outline. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, cultural uh, subversion. Uh, So with that, hey, um, I'm gonna I'm going to intro our uh, our interview with JJ. Wait, are we gonna do final recommendations, or did we just? We just did that. Okay, yeah, yeah. So um, now I'd like to intro the interview that we did with JJ Villard, uh, who is Villard. Villard. (laughs) Sorry, I saw interviews with him. (laughs) Pronounce it Villard. Okay, Villard. Uh, from the new Adult Swim show airing May 10th at midnight, bearing his name, J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales. And this show is right up our audience's alley. It's chock full of horror movie references. It's disgusting. It's like a fever dream. Yeah. The first episode has lots of pop culture references, such as, you know, the DS Ray from Shining. You've got... Um, you know, if you like Dr. Pimple Popper, there's something for you. Big time. If you like the comedian Gallagher <laughs> and or Gallagher too, you'll love this. You, you mean the second Gal, the fake Gallagher who, 
who pretended to be Gallagher. Well, do you know this, the actual story behind that? Yeah. 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 He's like, the, he's like the, the regional Gallagher. Gallagher too is literally Gallagher's brother. Yeah. And he bought Gallagher's act yeah. off of Gallagher. Gallagher. So he could only advertise himself as Gallagher too. And then he started advertising as like Gallagher too. <laughs> <laughs> and so Gallagher one, I guess. Suit him. I don't know. It's, it's a funny smaller, story. more regional Gallagher, too. Yeah, you guys got to check it out. Like I said, uh, it'll help us out if you watch it. And I think you could probably view it on the Adult Swim app. So go ahead and download that. Check it out on there or just watch it on Adult Swim at on May 10th at midnight. And with that, here's J.J. Villard. Hey, J.J., how are you? What's up, guys? So, yeah, um, my name's Bryce Hansen, and... Um, and I'm David Day, and we run a podcast called Horror Movie Talk, where we review horror movies old and new, and uh, and so we were lucky enough to uh, to kind of get a pre-screening of your new show, J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales, and first of all, I'd, I'd just like to ask you, man, are, is everything Okay. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, okay, I, okay. I just, I, I was just kind of lambasted with with a lot of visual, visually disturbing imagery. That I, it just seemed like it might have been a call for help. That's all I'm saying, <laughs> dude. If that call for help went out a long time ago, this is just uh, a little bit before the end. But um, how many episodes did you guys see? I've watched I've watched the first two. I watched Boy Punzel and then also the Goldilocks Massacre. Yeah, that's oh, sick. That's yeah, awesome. And I've watched Boy Punzel. I didn't I didn't get to the other ones yet. <laughs> I got a That's cool. I got a quick question for you. Uh I've been a, a big fan of animation for a long time. Simpsons, Venture Brothers, C Lab twenty twenty. Where did you come up with your style? It seems like it's a salvia trip dipped in acid. Have you seen Kuso? Like what's like what's going on? <laughs> well, what happened was like um, uh, I'll just be honest. I mean, I've been drawing forever, you know. And then um, uh, I went to Cartoon College at the California Institute of the Arts for character animation. So I mean, you're just drawing so fucking much, you know. And then right from Cal Arts, I went into DreamWorks and worked on Shrek for like three years. And and if you could hear the anger and, and, <laughs> uh, and this frustration in my voice when I say that. I mean, drawing Shrek over and over again, it, it makes you fucking crazy. <laughs> and so uh, I went on from Shrek to Monsters vs. Aliens to per Peabody and Sherman and Trolls. And then that was it. When, when I worked on Trolls, I was like, I'm out. I can't take this anymore. <laughs> so uh, I, I hit up um, some people I knew at Adult Swim and they were interested in a TV show. So I created King Star King in 2015. It aired. And, um, yeah, it was just like a, a style that I, I, I liked doing at the time. And then, um, uh, it went on to, uh, I created this new show called, you know, JJ Large fairy tales. And I thought it would be cool to have, you know, charming, cute, uh, looking characters that are, that's appealing to the audience and, and have some just fucked up stories. So <laughs> you're kind of tricking the audience, like how Michael Jackson tricked me in watching Thriller when I was a kid <laughs> and I scared the shit out of me. I thought, I, I thought that could have taken a much darker turn about Michael Jackson <laughs> tricking you. Um, 
Well, that's I really in- <laughs> that's really interesting that your your first big gig was Shrek because that's also kind of an alternative take on a bunch of fairy tales. Is this like a yeah. you lashing out from that experience of wanting to take <laughs> well, it even further? Just, yeah, I was speaking to Mike Lazo, the the creator of Adult Swim, and I just said. Mike, did you know I worked on Shrek? And he's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I worked on Shrek 3 and 4. I fucking hated it. And he's like, channel that anger into these cartoons, JJ. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. Thanks, uh, Mike. Yeah, I, I needed that motivation. So, yeah, he uh, we did that. <laughs> Dude, uh, you've got some serious horror talent, voice talent, on uh, l- listed as, as uh, for some of your shows here. Uh, there's Linda Blair. There's Robert England. There's... I mean, Jennifer Tilly, Jennifer Tilly, yeah. Corey Feldman. <laughs> how did yeah. how how was it working with all these like horror classics? Dude, yeah, they're the icons of horror films. And um, it was pretty much it just went like this. I, I thought I need I need celebrities in, in my show because um, uh, I, what happened was this is the honest to God truth. I created this pilot called Trap Universe, you know, and I had this deep philosophy that we shouldn't use any actors in cartoons. Fuck what Pixar does. You know, we should stay traditional and use real voice actors, um, people that, you know, live off of, of, of doing cartoons. Um, so I made Trap Universe the pilot and it did not get picked up. That was two years of my life down the drain. <laughs> so I completely revisualized um, my thoughts of, uh, an, of actors in animation. And I was like, fuck this. I need celebrities <laughs> real quick. So, so with that said, I was like, what, what celebrities would I want to work with? And my favorite uh, genre of film is, is horror. So I was just like, let's, let's fucking start calling up the, 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 uh, iconic horror people that are still around, you know, and alive. I felt a little bit like Ed Wood using Bella Lugosi. Um, <laughs> but uh, re- regardless, I-, I-, I hit up and I'd say a good half of them said yes, but a lot of them said no. Hence the star of Evil Dead. I can't say his name, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so um, speaking of horror movies, what, what are your favorite uh, horror movies and were they an influence on this project? Well, I mean, like uh, the most just like popular one is the, I went to Catholic school, so it was The Exorcist. That, that's my favorite horror film. Yeah. It scares the fuck out of me, <laughs> I, I, you know. But uh, I uh, my 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 second favorite is Basket Case, and then yes. um, it goes on from uh, Cannibal Holocaust to my favorite TV show of all time is Tell from the Crypt. And I, I guess I just got to work with a, a lot of, I mean, to get Kevin Van Hintenreich, and I, I can never say his last name right, uh, to, who's the star of Basket Case, I mean, to work with him, that was just fucking insane, dude. It was bizarre. <laughs> it was bizarre. I was just talking yeah. one of our one of our bloggers. I was just talking to him the other day, uh, Keith, and and I, we were talking about like old <laughs> old classics, like um, like summer camp ones that are, or I'm sorry, sleepaway camp uh, that are like yeah. underappreciated, <laughs> you know, and like kind yeah. of kind of like these little gems. And uh, and I brought up Basket Case to Keith, and he hadn't seen it yet. I was like, oh my god, you have to drop everything. It, it represents everything cool from the 80s. Yeah, horror, yeah. horror film. It really making. does. 
Yeah, yeah. That and Street Trash are just like two New York fucking films that are just like, it's so filthy. It makes yeah. Taxi Driver look like a Disney film. Yeah. Yeah, and Chud. Yeah, <laughs> Chud in there too. Yeah, Chud is gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. um, so watching the the um, the fair, your fairy tales, it looks like there's a couple different references uh, pulled from all over pop culture. So you got some of the music from The Shining. Uh, you got references to Gallagher and or Gallagher Two in the first episode, <laughs> and uh, maybe yeah. maybe Doctor Pimple Popper <laughs> was an influence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Um... Uh, yeah, Noxzema was a real true influence in this uh, cartoon. <laughs> but um, uh, no, dude, it was crazy with the with the uh, the score from The Shining. I went to my composer and I said, I, I want this song in here, and um, if you can just copy, make it sound somewhat like it, it, that'll be great. And he's like, JJ, are you kidding me? That song's almost five hundred years old. It's it's public domain, and I was like, "What?" I thought Stanley Kubrick came up with right. that song yeah. himself. So so that blew my mind. So I was so happy we could just straight up use that that song. It was made by monks, or whatever, way back when. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, yeah, it's 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 just uh, it's just insane. And um, as far as like you know, we were given restrictions from standards and practices, and the three main rules were. No sex jokes, no religious jokes, and no fart and puke jokes. What? So, really? What? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, you know, I'm thinking you might you might have made them make so, some new rules because of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know what? They they made us come up with some more even disgusting stuff than any of those things. So uh, um, it was a challenge in the writers' room to come up with a uh, uh, new uh, material with those restrictions, but. I, I just think like when you look at Ren and Stimpy season one, all the restrictions he was given and how funny that fucking cartoon turned out, those restrictions worked for him. Yeah. So limitations are, are a good thing, I feel like, when you're when you're creating a show. You know, it's funny that you bring up Ren and Stimpy because before – so w when we were kind of getting ready for the interview, Bryce and I were talking about, you know, what what we liked about your show. Um, and And I was like, I don't know – I don't know where these where he gets his visual style from. I've seen similar similar kinds of super disturbing visual style and then Bryce brings up Ren and Stimpy and he's like, "You know those moments in Ren and Stimpy where it gets really and SpongeBob does it too, where it gets really granular yeah. and you get that all the yeah. veins and and it's like a right. still and you had some moments like that in there too." Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like I was more of a, a, a Mike Judge uh, like drawing style than mm. than than Spumco, which is Ren and Stimpy. I never like I, when I went to college. I, I never got into the Spumco drawing style. I liked the storytelling in Spumco and the ability to gross out the fucking viewer with those insane close-ups they did of like the inside of Ren and or Stimpy's mouth. I mean, th those things <laughs> blew me away. But I, I never, I never ever like drew like that. I don't know why. But but my judge, if you look at my student films, you, like especially the Son of Satan on YouTube, you can see it. Um, you'll see the influence of Mike Judge and uh, and 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 I mean uh, maybe a little bit of South Park, but. Uh, um, yeah, def definitely like uh, Mike Judge. Yeah, th those 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 cartoons, they're all in our subconscious, you know. And it, it's so funny because uh, uh, the young millennials now, um, uh, they're so into anime. And 
Uh, I like anime too, but but my God, so much of the stuff that the the younger dudes are doing is is so anime looking that I'm just like, whoa, this is fucking different than the shit I was uh, used to looking at. Yeah, yeah, one of the one of the other things. Um, speaking of Mike Judge, or you know, he got started out with Beavis and Butthead on MTV. Um, it reminded me, you know, I was having kind of flashbacks of Liquid Television on MTV and some of those kind of alt. Uh, animation styles. I was thinking maybe a little. Um, what was it the Grunt Brothers? Do you remember that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember the Grunt Brothers. I also remember um, uh, who was that? Eon Flux. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that show was the most badass. Sh- like that show <laughs> blew my mind as a teenager. I was like, "What is happening?" So yeah, dude. I remember I was I was giving a talk at, at at Red Cat like about like I don't know like maybe like seven years ago and I was on a panel with Craig McCracken, the creator of Powerpuff Girls, and I was fucking drunk and I had a forty <laughs> and I was drinking on stage and I was telling just like stories to this like audience that was that was insane, and after the thing uh, after the the talk. This this Asian dude walked up to me. He's like, JJ, I just want to say to you, you are a piece of shit. And I was like, whoa, fuck. And I was like, thanks, man. Go fuck yourself. And he's like, what? And couldn't believe I talked back to him. And he walked away. And um, it turns out it was the creator of Eon Flux. What? <laughs> Why did he think you were a piece yeah, of shit? Because I made kind of a jackass of myself, you know. Oh, okay. And, uh, Craig, Mc, Craig McCracken's wife um, uh, is the she brought back My Little Pony, and um, oh. when she was talking about My Little Pony, all I kept asking her in front of everyone is, "Just tell us about bronies. That's the only thing I'm interested in. <laughs> what about the bronies?" <laughs> it's it's the question everybody's asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you could tell she was deliberately told by to by disney not to uh talk about bronies and I'm like, come on how can you not talk about them they had a convention in idaho three thousand bronies showed up let's talk about bronies <laughs> jesus christ why idaho for bronies you know it's like what yeah i don't know if it was idaho i don't quote me out but i know it's one of those weird states <laughs> okay it was just like uh, yeah it was a place where they of course like they'd have a convention for bronies there and it was a mass gathering I got a, I got a, uh, w- one more question for you here, JJ. Um, sure. D- okay, I've I've watched uh, one or two interviews uh, with you, and uh, and I've I've heard you say in those, "Nah, I don't do drugs. I leave it alone." And uh, but I gotta yeah. I gotta ask, have you done salvia or any or acid or anything like that? Like what's like, dude? I mean, this might sound stupid and like cliche, but like seriously, like just 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 pitching cartoons and making cartoons is my drug, man. I mean, there's no high more than me than, than doing uh, doing that. I, I drink. I have I have uh, I love tequila and, and fucking Mexican beers and shit. Hell yeah! But like yeah, I. Yeah, I don't really, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just like, look, it's been around me. When you're in show business, that the fucking drugs are everywhere. But um, it was just when it came to like being out at a bar or being at home drawing, like I would, I would always just kind of rather be at home. I don't know what it was. It was just like, 
that's just how it ended up. <laughs> it's just that it's just that the the substance within your shows are so disturbing, and they go so <laughs> it goes so far into the into the so hard in the paint. You know, it's like what? Yeah, it's like where is he getting some of this stuff from? But I mean, I mean, in horror, a, a lot of the most you know, a lot of the most memorable stuff is you know, Cannibal Holocaust and uh, and these things that just push. Just yeah. push the envelope, and your stuff does that. It influenced. I mean, Toby Hooper to me is is a scary motherfucker, and mostly because, I mean, he looks and talks so normal. That's what makes him <laughs> way more scary for me than like all those other like Rob Zombie and shit. It's just like, uh-huh. dude, look at a Toby Hooper fucking interview. It's just like <laughs> you're listening to like some guy. Like he looks like a guy that just like does contracts and and um, builds your house for you. But no, this dude is like fucking one of the greatest filmmakers of all time and he, and he and he just looks so unintimidating you know it's just kind of scary so um jj villard's fairy tales comes out uh may 10th is the premiere um and you can check that out what jj what's your favorite episode of the season do you have one and that's on that, um I, that's on adult, oh yeah, swim. adult my, swim my apologies Oh, no problem, no problem. Um, I mean, I, I really, I do love Boy Punzo, but I also do love Little Red Riding Hood. I mean, that one is fucking nuts. But, uh, I mean, they're, they're all good. They, they were all such, like, a pleasure to work on, and it was so fun. And um, the team, we, I, I'll tell you just, like, this little behind-the-scenes thing. We handed in every episode um, with, o- with only going over three weeks of the schedule. I mean, that's insane with not having any reoccurring characters. And more important, we came in under budget. I had a bunch of extra money I could have definitely used at the end of the fucking season. And like, uh, yeah, um, maybe I would have used it to try drugs. But uh, <laughs> way, we came in under budget, which is unheard of. Well, you got a show uh, like nothing I've ever seen before, and everybody should check it out on May 10th on Adult Swim. What time? What time does it premiere? I think it's it's midnight, kids, boys and girls. It's at twelve fifteen. Perfect. Good deal, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on to Horror Movie Talk. We sure do appreciate it. Thanks, Bryce and David. And dude, I got to tell you this: your sound system, whatever you're using, it has been the best. Uh, You guys are so crystal clear. (laughs) I'm just very impressed by your sound system. Good, excellent. We (laughs) we aim to please. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, guys. Take care. Hey, you too. Bye bye. Bye. Beautiful. 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 Thank you so much, JJ. We really appreciate you, and we're excited to see the rest of the season. I've seen the first two episodes uh, from JJ Villard's Fairy Tales, and um, yeah, it's like I said, it's just tons of horror movie references, and it's just a fever dream the whole way through. Yeah. We've got access, early access to the first three. You know, with a bunch of watermarks over it. Yeah. Uh, but um, I mean, it just means that we're better than you. Yeah, it's all. It doesn't. It's not. It's not a, a huge deal. It's just we need you to know yeah. that we're better than you. Right. Um, so with that, let's go on to it came from social media. Yes, it came from social media. To fill the world with terror. To bring you unforgettable suspense. (coughs) What was it? Where did it come from? Who were the all-powerful creatures it brought from social media? And what did they want on Earth? 
it came from social media is a little bit where where we get to talk about what happened in our week over social media. You guessed it. This week has been particularly chock full of stuff, so I don't know if I'll get to every little thing that happened, but I will hit some of the highlights. I uh, I did make an announcement on our Facebook page and Twitter uh, you know, once we wrapped the Robert England interview, which you can catch on next week's episode where we review Nightmare on Elm Street. That's right. We got to interview Freddy fucking Krueger, bitch. <laughs> and uh, and so when I posted the announcement that we just got done interviewing Robert England on Facebook we got such a huge response. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, huge for, for good reason, because if you, <laughs> we're just a plucky little podcast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I we, mean, people appreciate what we do. The people that find us. Why um, you always got to downplay everything. So I'm much? just, uh, I mean, I'm just saying how I feel like it still feels like we're pretty, you know, we're punk, right? Yeah, fuck We're- you. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, we get one of the horror icons. Like, if you were to pick in your dream of all dreams, who would be a horror celebrity that you would want to interview? Like, Robert England would be on the top, like, five at least. It was almost like it. It was obviously an accident. I mean, the boy might have got scared and panicked, right? That could be a logical explanation. So it was one of those fluke accidents we could not have foreseen, and that is all there is to it. I don't know. No. It was an accident. It was almost like it was an accident. Speaking of sleepaway camp. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so people were very happy for us. Magnus, our boy from uh, from Swedetown, he, he says, oh, my boys are moving up in the world. I don't know if that's how he says. He probably said it like in a My sexy. boys are moving up in the town. <laughs> I've, I'm pretty sure that's how he said <laughs> Yeah, take, I've I've talked with him on the phone. I think that's pretty accurate. Take that, Magnus. That dude <laughs> spoke fluent, yeah, perfect he English. He couldn't tell at all. Uh, Brad, he was like, "Thank you for having me on." <laughs> that's probably not even the right. That's you're like such sweet, a, you're sweet, the ugliest chef. You're the ugliest American I know. It's the Swedish chef. No, from, from Muppets. No, it's not. You're just a racist. If he was singing, if he was talking in his. Home language, you'd be like, hurdy, 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 hurdy. Brad said, That's pretty neat. How neat is that? That's pretty neat. Leah S., our blogger, said, That's so awesome. Keith Harris, our other blogger, said, His mind exploded with a mind explosion gif. Garrett Day, my brother, said, His mind exploded with a mind explosion gif. Mark Bento, this is my favorite one, uh, who has been on this show reviewing. Uh, American Psycho with us, he said, you and Bruce do such a good job. I'm happy to see this growing into something fantastic. So uh, Eric Lee from Scariest Things Podcast said, Godspeed, David, that's big time. And Bryce, Bruce. And uh, and Taryn Marks said, you guys are doing good. And I said, come on down for some moose soup. Because that's, that's what you guys are doing good. You don't you don't catch the reference the moose soup lady from your mom's house. Oh, you guys are doing good. Come on down later for some moose soup. Nothing. I I don't recognize that at all. God, you're retarded. (laughs) Um. Also, one of our Patreon members, uh, 
has been hitting us up. Jason C has been hitting us up pretty consistently on Twitter. Yeah. And I love everything he contributes yes. because it's very tailored to fit. He said he's uh, he's, he, he's going to be the origin of horror movie talk memes. Yeah. He's, he's taking it on upon himself to be the memeologist uh-huh. behind HMT. Uh, yeah, he came in with a meme uh, that I mean, you got to see. It. You should check it. Check. It. I, I retweeted most of these, so check them. Check them out on Twitter, um, where he he's <laughs> where it's a it's a it's Stewie and what's the what's the dog's name on Family Guy? Brian. Brian. Stewie and Brian. Stewie looking angrily at Brian, and Brian is uh, is <laughs> you playing the hot children jobs, and me. I'm just fucking so angry about it. Poor David gets bullied. He says, lol, JK. Love these guys. Hey, I should also mention it was your birthday this last weekend. Happy birthday there, big boy. How uh, how old are you? 38. God damn. So hot. Okay. I mean, so old. Yeah. <laughs> Decrepit. Oh, poor Bryce. I'll tell you what, I started taking Metamucil. Yeah. He didn't know about, he didn't know how to take Metamucil. He like let it. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, cause you're, you you have a healthy bowel or or diet already. Metamucil is a um it's a, it's fiber it's bulk that you add to water and it tastes kind of like tang. But if you let it sit too long, it turns into slurp. It turns into like gelatin. And so Bryce was chugging <laughs> mucil gel, and he's like, "This stuff is gross." I was like, "You don't do it like that, you dummy." You got to chug it real fast before it turns into, you let it turn into goop in your tum-tum. Yeah, it's, it, it really <laughs> let it turn tasted like orange snot, <laughs> like lightly flavored orange snot. So yeah, I chugged it this morning, which is a much better way to take it if you're going to take Metamucil. Uh, you take it anyway. I tell you, you're going to take it. Jason also said on, uh, so after, after we posted... Uh, that it was Bryce's birthday, Jason said, I don't know why, but I pictured David because I came by Bryce's house uh-huh. and gave him a present uh-huh. to give him, you know, we kept socially safe distance. David David baked uh, me some snickerdoodles. To be fair, I think that was our Patreon member, uh, Carrie Day. You my, said it was you. My wife. Well, I say a lot of things that I don't necessarily mean or or believe to be true. But uh, Jason says, I don't know why, but I pictured David coming out for uh, coming out of a cake for you, Bryce, uh, for your birthday, wearing nipple tassels while singing Goodbye Horses. (laughs) Goodbye, horses. To which I replied, and he didn't even have the common decency to tuck. It's like he was there. (laughs) He didn't. I did. I I tucked it. You just... It's just, it's that big. Oh, okay. That was just your dick root? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just the root. Um, he also throws some shade at us. He's like, he's not shade. He just threw us a picture of uh, Elvira, uh-huh. you know, the busty lady of the night of hey, horror. you were the one throwing shade at this. I threw shade at it, yeah. I said, I don't know. You know, I mean, them's got to be some wet, sloppy perps. Like, those got to be some old titties by now. Like, nothing against old titties. I like them. But these things have been... Probably fucked out, I imagine. You know, they, they, those bolt on titties. I'm not all about that. I said, I said, while she's an obvious staple, Elvira is, I much prefer Samara Weaving, the, the, the lead from Ready or Not. The one with no tits. Well, look, I just like her as like the horror, sure. the new, sure, the new sure. torchbearer. Um, 
Jason responded, but no one has better looking knockers. Change my mind, Bryce. I say Bryce because he is the expert on horror boobies. And I don't know if, how, how that's been established. I don't know how that's been established either. Bryce will take it. He I'll, takes all comers. I'll take it. No. Like, I, yeah. And then you, you insultingly said he is absolutely not. Bruce just likes anything with a pulse. I'm the titty affectionado. Besides them, big fakies ain't my bag. So... Look, I just look. You have, I, I still can't narrow down what your type is like for, for titties. Natural, net. Yeah, I'm. I can get behind that one hundred percent. Yeah, like I'm. The bolt-ons, like, yeah. no, nah, uh-huh. I ain't got, do nothing I ain't got for time. I, for I got. That. I, they got to have. They you got to see the gravity. Yeah, you got to see like the, the scoop. Yeah, going down. Yeah. Yeah, and like, but, I mean, also, they got to move like the tide in the ocean. Yeah, you know. But I'm I'm pretty generous with size. Like, it can go pretty small to pretty big. Like, I don't. I'm fine with anything. I, anything. Pretty much, I'm fine with anything. Whoa. I mean, not like. I mean, we're not talking like forty year old boobies. <laughs> well, you better be all right with forty year old boobies because you're thirty eight. Well, I'll have three years to to <laughs> to get okay with it. Wow, you're bad at math too. Um, I, okay. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> oh. Oh dear. Hopefully, your wife doesn't become a patron. <laughs> I'm. I'm appreciative of. There's just going to be women's bodies. I had an idea for this week's uh, afterpod, the podcast that we do only on Patreon, where where it's just me and you talking, but it, it's mostly like. Beep, 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 just, just edited beeps. Oh, yeah. So that oh, yeah. my wife doesn't catch right, on to right, right. all the things that we say about her. Yeah. Um, last, last thing. Did you have another? No, no. This is all you. Um, we got a new review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much from Zach0421, um, titled Great Show for Horror Fanatics. This was just left last Wednesday. He said, hey, guys, I just recently I just joined recently, but have blown through your backlog and after pods and have to say this is the best horror podcast I have found yet. Yeah, it it surely is. Your comedy and charisma slash horror insider top notch. I even got my wife into it now while breaking her into horror movies. Anyone anyone who puts some of my all-time favorites like Hereditary, Midsummer, or The Witch deserves all the support. I would love to see maybe a few more foreign films, though, like maybe Raw or Audition. Keep it up, my dudes. Please bring back horror or porno. LOL. <laughs> yeah, we do need to bring back horror yeah, or porno. Horror or porno is probably... Well, uh, the last... I mean... That's really our crowning achievement in this podcast yeah. so far. Robert England's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good, but I don't but know. But horror porno is, we've brought something to into the world. Can, can you play the horror important. or porno intro real quick? I just love that intro so much. Let me, and it's the end of the show. We deserve something nice. Hold on. Um, shoot. You know, so uh, while I vamp here... Um, I'm thinking about. Uh, I am thinking about what what we could possibly talk about on the afterpod today because I don't want my wife hearing. Like I don't know that she even knows how to use Patreon. I just think she just likes the idea of being able to listen to it. So maybe we could just like milk her for all she's worth. 
Oh, wait. No, I guess that's my money. Oh, wait. No, it's, well, it's our money. Do you remember an episode w- what we that we did it on? Uh, ready or not, I think there was It Chapter 2. Here it is. And with that, thank you all for listening to the show. We sure do appreciate you. Make sure to share it with a friend. That's how we grow. And, um, and you know, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts because that helps us out a tremendous amount in terms of getting eyes on our podcast. And we are looking to grow. If you'd like to help us out in a monetary way, do it passively by bookmarking the Amazon link. Really do, really do that because... We need help. We do need your help. And we know you're just buying off Amazon. It shouldn't all go into Bezos' pockets. It can go into our pockets, too. So bookmark that link. Use it every time you shop on Amazon. Also, if you'd like to become a patron, we got tons of exclusives, including the Afterpod, which we'll be recording right after this. So special thanks to uh, J.J. Villard. You guys check out his show on May 10th at midnight. That's J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales. We appreciate all the opportunities uh, that they've given us. And Robert England, of course, expect to hear his interview sometime next week, probably Wednesday when we release the Nightmare on Elm Street review. So with that, we love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ah, the French...